We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, partner, as we said earlier this week, it's been a minute since we published one of our game preview episodes between Europe, the holidays, people evading us. Our guy, J.P. Shadrick, certainly has not done that. He is a Jacksonville Jaguars reporter. We're bringing him in in just a few short seconds from now, but we did want to be sure to thank this episode's small business Patreon title sponsor, our friends at High Grounds Cafe. There's something brewing in Baltimore. Go check out what they're offering in the show notes below. But partner, it's week 15. This Jacksonville Jaguars team may be scuffling in terms of in-division over the last couple weeks, but as the Ravens learned last year in late November, they are no joke. Uh, and Trevor Lawrence went operating at uh, at full speed, which maybe he's not. We'll talk to JP about that, given the high ankle sprain a week or so ago. But uh, they, are, they are a force to be reckoned with. And as we've discussed, uh, major seating implications going into Sunday night. Very, very excited to talk to JP. Want to know where the state of the, this Jags team is. They were cruising until the last two weeks, so definitely excited to learn more about them. All right, let's bring them in because, JP, what, what's been going wrong for the Jags in terms of AFC North competition because they've lost the last couple. Uh, after really prior to that and prior to, to Trevor's high ankle sprain, they were rolling and a lot of people were looking at them as the dark horse. Well, I mean, they still might be the dark horse. We'll see on that. But uh, a lot of self-inflicted issues lately. Uh, some pre-snap penalties, like eight pre-snap penalties the last two weeks. That puts you behind the sticks or there's a delay a game or whatever it is. And it just just doesn't feel uh, as clean as it has earlier in the season. And there's some communication issues. That's been the buzzword this week. So, um, you know, the receivers are sometimes not on the same page with Trevor. They're running the right routes, but they might just be a tick off here or there. They don't have Christian Kirk right now, so they're trying to figure out life without him for the foreseeable future. And he was one of their go-to guys. Evan Ingram's playing well at tight end. And defensively as well, I mean, they they had some missed assignments last week that cost them three long touchdowns against the Browns. And something that's just a, a little different for this defense. Guys maybe trying to do a little bit too much. And uh, as Doug Peterson said this week, hey, just worry about your job. Don't worry about um, everything else, and especially in a game against the Ravens. Um, if you're trying to do too much and you overrun and overpursue, they're out the gate and gone. So that's the state of the Jags right now. The sky's not falling in the building. Now you yeah. listen to fans around here and you think eight and five is the worst record ever, but um, <laughs> they're still in a good spot. 
You are describing the Ravens. Communication issues, self-inflicted wounds, fans freaking out with the 10-3 and 3 record, all of that stuff for sure. So you, you kind of hit on a lot of things there to give it a great overview. Thanks for that, JP. Let's start with, obviously, Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback. I'm sure the team goes as he goes. Um, really incredible how he came back. I saw that injury live. Uh, really incredible how he came back. He, he, he's been a full participant. He said he didn't have any setbacks. How close is he, though, to 100%? And did the injury play into his three picks last week? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if the injury necessarily did. I think it was more the, the communication deal with the receivers down the field. You know, there was mm. an instance where, you know, Calvin Ridley on a route that he ran, the ball never came to that spot in that play earlier in the season. They always kind of threw it somewhere else, so his head was turned to block. And all of a sudden, the ball came his way. He wasn't ready for it. It got picked. Another time, there was um, zero coverage. So they had to get the ball out fast and throw it down the field. And receiver stopped running the route. Well, okay, mm. that's a pick in the back end. So I wouldn't necessarily put that on the uh, the health of Trevor Lawrence. I think there was more communication issues there. Now, for Trevor, it's the second time this year that he has played on a short week with an injury and battled through. Thursday night football earlier in the year in New Orleans, he had a knee injury. And that was the real concerning one. It was a, a left knee injury, um, and he braced up and – kind of rested and they did a game time decision workout kind of deal at the Superdome and he played in that game and he was the leading rusher in the game for the Jaguars yeah. and it's wow. a pretty amazing what he did now this time felt different because you know this just didn't feel as much of a you know it just kind of felt like as the week trended forward that he was going to go out there and play and, and battle through it because of where on the ankle it was. It wasn't like higher up, I guess, apparently I'm not a doctor, but higher up is the worst it can get and all the, the breaks and things can happen. This one was pretty low and, you know, 24 hours pretty much every day of, of treating it. He was good. He's a tough guy. He's a smart quarterback and he's a guy you want out there. When you see that as a team, your quarterback battling through those things and still performing at a pretty high level, that's a good thing. So if that's Trevor's health, what about the overall health? Because as we were trying to kind of dissect here from Thursday's injury report, and for those of you in the audio-only space, there's well over double-digit players who were listed on the on the Thursday injury report, most most of whom seem to be limited. So, so is this a deceiving list, I guess? I mean, you got Trevor on here, you got Zay Jones, you got ETN. I mean, there's a number of different players on here. Based on the reports that we've watched, Campbell and Cisco are so, sort of the only ones who are serious. I mean, is that is that kind of a fair synopsis? What do you make of this list, JP? Well, for those in the audio space, there are 13 players on the list uh, this week. That's uh, that's <laughs> fairly <laughs> new phenomenon the last couple of weeks. I mean, they got banged up a lot uh, the last two weeks, and, and they've they had been pretty healthy overall coming into this little stretch here. Um, it feels like Jamal Agnew is trending the right way. His window opened to, to get back to practice this week. Uh, the kickoff returner, punt returner, and the wide receiver, you know, that, that could be a boost for this team. They haven't really been great in the return game. Um, they, they just need to be better overall blocking it and things as well, and especially against Baltimore, really good special teams group. Um, they're always they always have things buttoned up in Baltimore. So to have Agnew back this week, if he's a, available to get back, it, it, it is trending the right way. We'll see on that one. Uh, you're right about Cisco and um, 
the cornerback, Tyson Campbell. I mean, that those are concerning because Campbell's your top corner. Cisco's a guy who is trending the right way on the back end. He's a ball hawk. He can go out there and do it. Now, let's see what the, the official status says later on Friday, but um, Campbell's been down for a couple of weeks. He had a, a hamstring injury before that, and then the quadriceps injury after that. So that's that's not a good trend. Um, now, the offensive line's been a big concern, too. You know, Cam Robinson's still out, the starting left tackle, and the, he might be able to get back before the end of the regular season, but he's not quite there. He's out for at least a couple more weeks anyway on the reserve list. So um, Walker Little could be back this week off a hamstring injury. Um, he actually came out of the game the same play that Trevor got stepped on and twisted up his leg. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he had been injured earlier in that game and decided to try to play through it. But uh, Little could be back this week at left tackle. Not sure about the left guard spot. Ezra Cleveland kind of still up in the air on that one. Um, so, yeah, it, this is pretty real. I mean, a lot of these guys are are really banged up right now. Now, the, the best part is, though, that they're not season-ending. So, mm. at some point, most of these guys could, should be back on the field. And, uh, you know, let's just hope the Jaguars, from their perspective, are right there still in the chase when they're back. Okay. So you mentioned some of those injuries in the secondary. Um, they're at practice, but, you know, you never quite know. Meanwhile, the Ravens passing attack is starting to come alive post Mark Andrews. Seems like they're Lamar Jackson and his receivers, OBJ. OBJ's finally healthy. So they're coming along, and it's, you know, obviously a new offense, and that's also coming along under Todd Munkin. So, What's your confidence level of the Jags secondary up against this Ravens passing attack? It's a great question. And, you know, really just considering on who's out there, they've got some young guys that they've played in some of those spots. And, you know, like last week, Antonio Johnson stepped in there and played. He's a rookie out of Texas A&M. And I think by trade, he's a safety, played a lot of nickel in college at A&M. And he's a big physical guy. He's about six foot three and, He's not scared to put his uh, head in there and go go hit people, and uh, but he hasn't played a lot, you know. So last time out was really his first time out there. He had a sack last week, a forced fumble. I mean, that was an impactful play, and they need more of that, I think, from some of the guys on the defensive side. They got a younger guy in a second year corner, and Greg Jr. has been getting some time out there um, and holding his own. Monteric Brown, same idea, second year player out of Arkansas, who. You know, in moments has been really good, but he's a young player who just hasn't had a lot of time on task at corner. And then at safety, they've got some depth there. Um, you know, with either Johnson or Andrew Wingard's probably the third safety who would come up. Uh, long blonde hair guy. Um, he he did the it's always the Jags mantra last year that everybody caught on to during the playoffs. So he's a fan favorite. Um, so he's out there on special teams a lot. But when they do play three safety looks, and a lot of times they do that anyway. Um, Wingard is kind of that third guy. So that's where they are in the secondary right now. Uh, Rayshon Jenkins is the other safety veteran guy, uh, really a leader in the back end there. He can go hit people and, and make plays on the ball and do all those things. And and then uh, on the other side of corner, it's Darius Williams. He's 30 years old um, and playing really good football. Second in the league in passes defensed. He's like five foot nine, but he's out there just competing every <laughs> week and, um, he's a quiet guy. He doesn't say a word um, in that locker room or, or otherwise, but he goes out there and plays big. So I guess, you know, from a couple of weeks ago, JP, when we're looking at this game, it's like, oh, man, this, this might help decide 
the overall top seed, right? But then Jacksonville scuffles a little bit in the AFC North the last couple of weeks. And by the analytics, the chances of, of locking up that top overall seed, not great. So I guess, one, what would a win mean for Jacksonville on Sunday night? And two, kind of what you're just describing. I mean, is there a belief because of the run, the late season run that you went on last year and because of how just magical that ride was, the comebacks, the the the, the playing postseason football for well over a month, right, to even make it in? Is there a belief that that if, if you do get in, and, and they will at this point probably, barring something unforeseen, uh, that a run can be had? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Well, yes. I mean, and because the, they did it from behind last year, they were like four games back and then they had to make an epic rally and have an epic collapse for the Titans. All that kind of worked out last year. Right. And that, that's great. Um, this year, though, they've they've lost some games against elite teams that 49ers put a number on them. But there was still kind of a feeling that there were only two or three plays from making that closer than than you might think by the final score. And they probably should have beat the Chiefs early. I mean, they were that was a low scoring game and they just they hadn't didn't have their act together as as a team yet, the Jaguars, early in the season. So um those are two games they feel like, okay, we we were right there, even though one of the scores didn't really indicate that. And what is what would a win mean on Sunday night? It would mean these numbers that we're looking at right now on the screen are irrelevant. It would mean that the number one seed's wide open in the AFC again yeah. uh, for anybody to go get. 
including the Jaguars, who after this week have back-to-back games against the NFC South. They've got the Buccaneers and the Panthers, and then they finish with a trip to Nashville against the Titans. Somewhat favorable schedule. Yes, the Buccaneers will be fighting because they're first place in that division still. Okay, if they can, if somehow they can put it together this week and communicate well, they feel like they can hang with pretty much any team, including the Baltimore Ravens. So protect the football, hang in this game. Don't let them, you know, run all over you. And then let's see what happens in the fourth quarter. And all of a sudden, the Jags are right there back in the talk again. Imagine that, Sarah, six and seven for Tampa, and you're sitting in a a three-way tie right (laughs) now in that division with the Falcons and Saints. Must be nice. All right, let's take the let's take the opposite view. Obviously, that's you're right. The the numbers would drastically change. A Jags win over the Ravens puts them right back in the conversation. What about a loss? Because the the Colts are nipping on the Jags' heels here. Yeah, thanks for the reminder. Um, (laughs) Unfortunately, the Jaguars uh, swept the Colts, so they won both meetings this year. They split with the Texans, um, but I think they would still have the better – there's some tiebreakers in there. The Jaguars would still have the advantage. So, Mm. But that's that is the concern, right? If if all of a sudden they're all eight and six and you look up at the standings, it's like there is no room for error at that point. So – you know, the, in in some of these moments, there have been when the Jags needed a big performance in a big time game, they haven't really finished it, you know, or something's happened. They've made mistakes. Can they handle that kind of heat? We'll find out Sunday night. I mean, that's obviously the first one. And then if things continue like this, um, you know, we'll see if they can get off the deck here and finish this division because the Colts are playing better. It's, it's Gardner Minshew. This franchise knows him well. Um, the Texans are, you know, they're they're dangerous. They're a dangerous team. I mean, they beat the Jags once this year, and it's a good group, and that could be a good group for a long, long time. So, but is it a young group that knows how to deal with games like this in December? You might be able to say that again about all these teams. So, who, if if nobody knows, then it's just go play the football games. So, I think that's kind of where we are right now. All right, how about one matchup you're concerned about? one matchup that you think could be favoring Jacksonville going in? Into this game. Into Sunday night. Oh, Sunday night. Let's see. Um, Jags' run uh, game has not been great on offense. And, you know, this uh, Travis Etienne is right there near the top of the league in rushing yardage, but uh, like 37th in the league in yards per carry. So they're not really running the ball effectively. He's been dinged up a little bit with ribs issues. Um, Dearest Johnson, backup running back, has a knee issue or has been the last couple weeks. So, you know, how do they how do they figure that out? The offensive line inconsistency on the left side there. They, maybe they can sort that out this week. Uh, but when the Jaguars' offense is at its best, they are running the ball and they're balanced. This is not truly a pass-first offense. They they like to do both things. And can they figure out life without Christian Kirk? They're still trying to work on that. Evan Ingram might be the key to that. He's got uh, 20 catches over the last two weeks, uh, three touchdowns. There's only three touchdowns of the season. And, uh, he, you know, if he keeps this pace, he is on track to flirt with the NFL tight end single-season catch record of 116. Uh, that was Zach Ertz in 2018. He's got to have eight catches a game over wow. the last four. He's on that pace, so who knows. But if 
but he's done that in two losses. So you need yeah. to start doing those in some wins. So that's one, one thing for this Jags offense and defensively. It's like, you got to stop the run. You got to stop Lamar. You got to, you know, it's easier said than done. And it just feels like they're, he's standing back and throwing a little better this year in the pocket with this new offense and play calling and things. And, you know, if they establish that run, which they usually do, then they can play everything off that. And that's where the communication issues either will be glaring or be fixed for the Jags. I think we'll find out pretty quick in the first quarter if they've got it figured out. And, you know, if they can, if the Jags strike early and get them out of that scenario where they can't run the ball all day on them and they start to, they have to throw it around. That's the best case scenario for the Jaguars. That's easier said than done since the Ravens have what a hundred yards rushing in 29 straight games or something. (laughs) That's what they do. They run the ball. They're physical and you've got to match that as a Jags team. And this is the the biggest test of the season coming up Sunday. That's actually what I was going to ask about because Jags are number four rush defense. Uh, it's just that like, like last week, yes, Lamar was throwing it all around, but he also put up 70 yards rushing and it's almost like nobody even noticed because he just does it kind of in between. It's not, it's just a different, it's just a different level. So even if you had like the number one rush defense, well, are you used to playing that against this type of rushing offense? So, yeah. Yeah. um, And they've been pretty good against like mobile style quarterbacks. Right. But mm -hmm. not necessarily this kind of mobile style this is a different kind of he's a he's a true running threat if he wants to be and then he can back out of it and then flick of the wrist he's throwing it 40 yards down the field i mean that this is a different animal they've i mean they face mahomes they face some other mobile guys that can move but this is this is a home run waiting to happen if you let him loose and they haven't seen that in a while jp what do you think go ahead sir go ahead no 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 go ahead bobby you got it well, I'm just looking at the box score from last November, and I just I, I'm really curious. What do you think that late November game symbolized for Jacksonville? Right at the time, they're four and seven. They end up going to the playoffs, right? They're four and seven at the, at with that win, they improved to four and seven. They put up 18 fourth quarter points. It was a collapse by the Ravens, something that we've seen in the Lamar era, but that they've tried to sort of combat this year, and and they're rolling, obviously, but. But these these late game collapses have been somewhat of a trend in years past for for the Ravens. Um, we've seen it sparingly this year. What did that game symbolize last year? I mean, it was that you can go win games. Like, what are we worried about? There's nothing to worry about. Just go play. And okay, we're down nine or whatever it was in the game, nineteen to ten at the end of the third. So what? Like, oh, we're four and seven. Like, what do we have to lose? Let's go figure this thing out. And they made some plays and and got it done. So I think that was kind of the first spark in that run last year. Now, they went and got blown out in Detroit and got humbled again not long after that. I mean, it was a bad day. Trevor got hurt, like toe injury, got twisted up. That was the first one of those for him. Then they come back and they make the run after that. But the Baltimore game was really, okay, they can do it. They can rally. We're going to go for two in a big moment and go for the win, right? Uh, that's Doug Peterson a lot oh, yeah. of times, uh, whether that's with the analytics or whatever. I don't know. Sometimes he just wants to do it. And, and he Trevor like was sensational. He was great. In that game. He made a great throw to Zay Jones on the left yep. side, yep. and that was a huge play. So that gave them a little bit of confidence that they can do this thing. You can't control what the Titans would do, 
but you can control your own business. All right. So to finish up, I think you know this from being on here before. We always ask our guests for a prediction, maybe a game score, if you don't mind doing that. Let's get to it, JP. Come on now. Lay it on us. <laughs> well, it's going to be a sloppy track, I think. It's been raining for a day or so already. And, I, you know, rain's in the forecast Saturday night and a lot of the day Sunday. It should clear off. I'm no meteorologist, but according to the phone, it should clear off by about 6 o'clock or so, 5 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. So, okay, maybe it won't be raining during the game, but a lot of water on the field. And uh, let's see the conditions of that. I, I think it should be pretty good, but – they do a really good job of the field here. Um, you know, I, this is a grinded out. I don't know if this is a 30 to, you know, 28 game. This feels less than that to me. And this is this is a 24 to 20, um, yeah, grinded out. And, you know, white knuckle game at the end. And it might come down to a field goal at the end again. You never know. Like, it, it kind of did that last time around. And I, I don't. I think it's a coin flip either way, honestly. I think the Jaguars are ready to play well. They've, they've been harped on for two weeks about communicating. If they don't do it now, they may not do it. So, all right, um, this is the time to go do it. Um, and it's a big audience. I mean, it's the first time the Jaguars, think about this, have been on Sunday night football in NBC since 2008. Wow. So it's been a minute. They had not had a Monday night game since 2012 until a couple of weeks ago. So they're they're knocking these things off. They just have to go bait, play better on these big window games now. Um, this is as big as it gets. It's been a minute. JP, where are you? You've got a sweet background. The audio looks good. Where are you? <laughs> I'm in the studio. We have This is our uh, digital studio for Jaguars.com. So I host nice. our pregame and postgame shows in here. I, I've got it kind of twisted around. We don't have, we have cameras and things, but this is, yeah. um, this is kind of where we do a lot of these kind of things. And, um, yeah, it's um, we're in the stadium. I'm actually in Everbank Stadium right now. There's a new football building next door, the Miller Electric Center, where we have another studio over there, but it's a little loud. There's people around. I, yeah. I like to come over here and get out of the way. It's great. Consummate professional, just like I've always known you. <laughs> I don't know about that, but you guys too, man. It's good to good to be on your show again for sure. Absolutely, you and I. So uh, back in my radio days, we met at a conference, Sarah. You might remember up in New York. It was like an industry wide conference, and ended up exchanging business cards and hanging together. So, JP, always appreciate the time, man. Let everybody know where they can find you over these next couple of days, just in case parts of our audience may want to check in on the Jacksonville beat. Yeah, we got uh, Jaguars.com, the official team website. That's where most of our things live, and um, we've got um, all kind of stuff coming up. It's it's fun, man. This is a fun group. I mean, Doug Peterson is a head coach. I mean, it's probably a lot like John Harbaugh. Like, these guys have been at it for a long time, and um, love that matchup. And so, yeah, thanks for checking out our stuff. We appreciate it. And I'll actually be up in Detroit. I'm doing the Broncos-Lions game on Saturday night for Westwood One, and I'll be back Sunday morning. Oh. <laughs> Um, in time for pregame for the Jaguars on Sunday night. So a busy weekend ahead. Heck yeah. Well, thanks for squeezing us in. That's a lot of prep that comes with that. So appreciate yeah. you. Hey, appreciate uh, nice, it. nice to see you guys. Nice talking to you. And um, let's go Jags. Beat the Ravens. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Likewise, JP. Enjoy it. Safe travels. See you guys. Thank you. All right. That's a busy weekend on deck for the guy, man. Oh, my man. gosh. Yeah. Sheesh. See, now people understand why it's so hard to get guests, you know? Right. Like, we always want to shoot high. Or you shoot high, and it's guys like this who are going to – he gets to call a game for Westwood One. I mean, yeah, you know, just just uh, great information from G JP there. Yeah, so he's he's 
and that's part of why you know we both kind of had radio backgrounds you know when we met at this conference i knew that he was sort of a freelance play-by-play guy that does stuff with with westwood one and at the time i thought i was kind of heading in that direction as well so he was kind of mentoring me early on um, but <laughs> the fact that it's week 15 and he's not only preparing for a huge sunday night game but mm. also uh, you know a, a big game on saturday is crazy but honestly if you're going to call a game on saturday i would call it on a weekend that you have prime time because it just gives you it buys you time on sunday to travel back you know the first right. half of the day so Anyway, we appreciate JP. And before we give you our predictions and talk a little bit about what we just heard from, uh, we do want to shout out and thank two of our OG patrons. They are supporting everything we're building and believing in us through Patreon this month. We appreciate them. So shout out Stephen Dents and Jason Zarotniak. Thank you both. If you guys are interested in doing the same, visit patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault podcast, which you can find in the show notes below. So what'd you think? What do you think overall? I mean, it's funny. The injury report isn't deceiving, I guess. That was something I learned. You know, I guess he thinks they're a lot more banged up than um, than some of those beat reporters had had discussed, right? It was like Campbell and who was the other player that um, – Cisco. Campbell yes. and Cisco, the only ones that were really banged up. But JP's like, oh, not so fast. These guys may be limited, but they're still banged up, and that could be a major factor going in. That's exactly it. So uh, I kind of got the feeling from him is like this Jaguars team is reeling in part because of all these injuries, even if, like he said, they're not season ending, but they're trying to work through it. But some that the big one that is season ending, or at least he's on IR, maybe he could come back in the playoffs is that Christian Kirk injury. And so it seems to me that the Jags are trying to figure out life without him, just as the Ravens have had to do with with Mark Andrews or other injuries in the past. And he's saying, like, those three interceptions, I didn't get to watch that game last week, right, for the Jags. So I'm like, oh, did was it the injury and he couldn't, you know, throw the way he wanted to? He's like, no, it's not the injury. It's life without Christian Kirk and not being on the same page with his wide receivers. So the question is, the Jags themselves are, like, trying to figure out life on the go right when the number one seed is coming in so it's like he said like are you going to be able to figure it out and start riding the ship come this sunday or is it still going to be broken and so from a ravens perspective you got to attack that right you got to keep forcing those wide receivers to try to do too much my feeling is it's like he said ingram's like at least last week was like their whole offense i mean that tight end was going off so to me, a key to the game is exactly what people always used to say with Mark Andrews in the past. It was like, shut down Mark and then make somebody else in the passing game beat you. Right. That's how I feel. It's like Ravens attack Ingram and then make up some of these, make some of these younger guys, um, make them beat you, make them do it. He was saying their, their rushing attack wasn't even, so stop the run, stop Ingram and make somebody else beat you. That seems to be the game plan for the Ravens going in. Seems as if not only by the numbers that you see and him favoring Evan Ingram and and what JP said about just the overall offensive woes right now. They got they're banged up from an offensive line perspective. Mm-hmm. We know that Trevor's dealing with the ankle sprain, even though it what what do you say? It was it was lower rather than higher, lower. which was yep. important. So yep. so that's good for Those him. High ankle sprains are no good. They just linger. They linger and they mm-hmm. limit. Um, but it seems as if the loss of Christian Kirk is looming large here. And I think that might be the difference 
in this game. Um, I, I, I do think that there's something to be said about there, and you kind of harped on this, picking up on the fourth-ranked rush defense. I mean, that's that's no joke. We'll see if that checks out against the Ravens, who can beat you in a variety of ways with their guys in the backfield and and not to mention Lamar. But, but having Christian Kirk on injured reserve, I, I think he's a similar type of playmaker that Mark Andrews is for Lamar um, mm. when it comes to Trevor's game. So that, to me, is going to be a big factor in here outside of, you know, like you said, Who's going to beat you if you if you stop the tight end, Evan Ingram? And I don't know if the Jaguars have that that, that definitive answer laid out. So it uh, could be a major reason why they're scuffling right now and potentially on the verge of losing three straight games, all of which are in division in the AFC North. So you ready to present our our um, our predictions? I'll just say one more thing on the on the um, defensive side or the offensive side for the Ravens. Um, the the injuries in their secondary are real too. Like it was notable that their their secondary, the two guys you named, um, was at practice because they've been so banged up. So all right, cool, they're in there, but attack them. Like s- see if they're who, what, what? Cisco and Campbell. Well, what's the what's the injury here? Now there's so many here. It's okay. Cisco's a growing. Okay, those things can linger. Go after him and make him run and stretch that. And, and then, Campbell's a quad. Quad. <laughs> Both of yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, put Zay out there. I mean, freaking Bateman apparently is getting the most separation of any wide receiver in the league. We know what OBJ's doing now. Like, just attack those guys. Obviously, you have to be balanced and you want to be able to run, but I would want to test those guys for sure in the secondary. Oh. So, heck yeah. Yeah. It has to be. You have to. You yeah. absolutely have to. Right now, the line, Ravens are three-and-a-half-point road favorites in Jacksonville. It's been a long time, as you just heard from JP, in terms of when primetime football came back to to Duvall. So this is going to be rocking, even though the weather could be a, a factor, not temperature-wise. It's going to be 62. But And, of course, the Ra- the Ravens are, are well used to the rain in recent weeks. And then the over-under is listed at 42-and-a-half. What are you thinking going in? Mm. So he thought it was going to be low scoring. I feel like I've learned my lesson. I keep, I've predicted a few times <laughs> that the Ravens would be under 30, but uh, yeah. um, they're just constantly over 30. Right. And the rain in Baltimore didn't stop them. And if it's going to clear up in Jacksonville, if, who knows? Like he, he said, according to his phone, well, I mean, my phone is wrong all the time. So, but <laughs> let's say it is um, cleared up. Like, I don't know. I have a hard time predicting anything less than 30 for the Ravens these days. Yes. So, um, listen, uh, Jacksonville's dangerous and they're now, they're now desperate. I said this in the morning vault this morning. I mean, there would have been a lot on the line, even if they were still winning, cause they'd be trying to break this tiebreaker. So, but they're a little bit more desperate. Like we, that's why I wanted to ask JP, well, what if there's a loss? Because I want to know how desperate they are. And they do have that, that tiebreaker over the Colts, but I mean, it really, things are really going to go start getting bad for them if they lose. So, uh, I, and we saw what they did last year. They're a dangerous team, but it just feels like the Ravens have got to take, just like last year, as you brought up, that that game was symbolic for them last year, that that's where, I mean, they did, it's not like they didn't lose again. He talks about that blowout, but it really turned around their season. It was like a turning point. I hope this is a turning point too. Like, let's bury him. Let's bury him. You know what I mean? Like, just make it so that it's like, oh, crap. 
not only is the number one seed not there, but are we going to win this division? That's what I want to do to them. So um, we'll see if they if they figure out life without Christian Kirk. If their guys really are healthy, then it might be harder than we think. But I'm just feeling like they're reeling right now, and the Ravens have our opportunity. So I'm going 31-27 uh, um, Ravens. Yeah, I'm totally with you in terms of the 30-plus point category. We've been fooled too many times with this team, and they somehow quietly – as Spencer Schultz tweeted within the last week or so, they somehow quietly are averaging well over 30 points over the last, I can't remember what the stat showed, but yeah, they they just so quietly manufacture 30 plus point games. And I say quietly and, and you know, whatever, like it's, it's all relative. Cause there's but. always complaints still. Cause it's, if it's not perfect, there's still, there's still complaints. That's why it feels quiet. I think. But that's why it's easy to predict over 30 from here on out because they're easy. They're they're quietly and imperfectly getting to thirty plus points every getting time. There. Right? That's a great word for it. Yeah. So that to me is like okay, it's a shoe in that they're and yes, it's the, like we mentioned, it's a stout defense, especially against the run. But we know this is also the top ranked offense, so something's got to give here uh, from a, from a rushing attack standpoint. So so yeah, I'm definitely going to go over thirty. And I think if there's one trend and tone to to, to set over the next month, it's that. I don't know about walk-off return, punt return touchdowns, but I get the sense that these next four games are all going to be um, a similar theme to what we saw play out in the Rams game. Tightly contested, back and forth, lead changes, ties. There's going to be a lot on the line, and and the margin for error is going to be thin. So with that said, I've long thought all year long that Jacksonville is a major, major dark horse to be reckoned with. That could still be the case, but based on what they've done in recent weeks, based on the injuries that we now know a lot about, thanks to JP, I get. I think that they're a year ahead of schedule. I think next year and for moving on, assuming that health is 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 on their side, they're going to be somebody that the Ravens have to to go through. But I think they're a year ahead of schedule, and I think the Ravens understand what they have in store for them right now. The way that they control their own destiny, the way that. I'm sure Roquan and company in the film room this week have not been pleased based on what they watched, especially in terms of that interior run defense uh, against the Rams and and what's been somewhat of a a recurring theme as we've talked to Roquan about in recent weeks. I think they're going to shore that up. I think offensively, they're going to continue to manufacture points, and I think they find a way to get it done on what's going to be a raucous environment. No doubt. I have a lot of family in the Jacksonville area. uh, area. They're going to be popping. They're going to be rolling. What do you say it was since 08? Is that what he said? Primetime home game oh. in Jacksonville or something like that. We got to yeah, go back yeah, and watch. Yeah, yeah. But but it's yeah. been a long time since they had a Sunday night home game. So it's going to be tough. I'm sure noise will be. There's potentially some some hard count, silent count here for Lamar. But uh, but 30 plus points. Sign me up for that. 35. I just said they're going to shore up the defense, but I still think that it's going to be a close one. So. 35 28 Ravens find a way in week 15. All right. I like it, Bobby. I like it. Uh, it's crazy that it, it like three weeks ago, you know, I was really nervous about this game and I still am because they're dangerous, but it just feels, it feels more, they, if they feel more beatable than they did three weeks ago, obviously. So yep. we'll yep. see. We will see you guys always appreciate you. Hope you, 
are glad that the game preview episodes are back. We're going to try and be pretty consistent with these over the next month and into the postseason. So if you enjoyed this piece of content, please like the video and also subscribe to The Vault if you haven't already done so across all of our platforms, including on uh, the audio-only space, which we reference quite often. Um, what? Spotify, Apple, Google Play. You guys are the best. Uh, thanks to High Grounds Cafe, one of our small business Patreon title sponsors who is supporting us through Patreon this month. And for my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this official game preview episode. Special shout out to our guy, JP Shadrick, for rejoining us here inside the vault to give us the Jaguars perspective. You can go find his work uh, on Jaguars.com or on Twitter at JP Shadrick. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon.